I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out with Jimmy, the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. And the goal of the podcast is to make sure that if you're in the closet or not, you know you're not alone. Please go to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe if you can. And if you're there, uh, a nice review and a lot of stars really help podcasts. So that would mean a lot to us. Thank you very much. This week, we have a broadcaster slash nurse in with Out with Jimmy. That's because Ed Stern is out with Jimmy. I'm Ed Stern. Um, I grew up in New York City, New Jersey area. Been here in D.C. Oh, a bunch of years on and off. Um, as you said, I'm a, I'm a nurse. I actually do psychiatric nursing, so I kind of play therapist, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, I happen to also be in school to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner, so I spend my entire life talking to people. And because I do that, I also co-host a radio show on WPFW called Inside Out. And tell us where that is. So Inside Out Radio is broadcast on WPFW 89.3 FM here in the D.C. area. Of course, because it's 2020, it's also a podcast mm-hmm. uh, that, that people can subscribe to. And how will we find the podcast? Um, look for Inside Out Collective on whatever podcast directory you use. Great. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird because I spend most of my time talking to people and saying, so tell me how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And I think the tables are turned today. That they are. Yeah. That they are. Well, (laughs) I'm going to ask you this. Um, Who's the first person you looked at and you admitted, I'm gay? Yeah. So this is a weird, weird answer. And I know you ask all of your, um, all of your guests this. So my story's odd, right? I'm, you know, I'm a 55 year old guy. Um, I grew up in the seventies. Most people's reference to that is the seventies show. Um, but my identity was, was hidden for, you know, for, for most of my life. Um, really partially even from myself, uh, had a lot of sexual abuse as a kid from, Mm. from people outside of my, my family, camp counselors, school teachers. Um, and so I actually grew up interested in guys and women. And I assumed that my interest in guys was because of the abuse. And it really didn't coalesce for me until much later in, in life. Um, the advantage I had of being somebody who, uh, you know, was interested in both, it was, you know, well, I, I kind of just do this on the side, but I'm looking f- to date women. Um, so I actually ended up not telling anybody till about two years ago. Ed, oh, my God. You waited longer than I did, and I was outed. Um, you, you're saying so many things I identify with. Uh, I had a line once that if you smoked weed once a year, does it make you a drug addict? And that was my— You want my therapeutic answer? Yes. Well, no, well, I, I'll need a lot of answers later about myself. But, but that was my way of going, well, I wouldn't say I'm gay, and I still don't. I'm bi. Right. Um, but I tended to give up women because my husband would— um, Harm me. Um, I like them already. Knowing the struggle that you dealt with Mm -hmm. and being a broadcaster by trade, having to hide it and having to make sure no one knew and that constant worry, it is so painful and so heavy. I'm so glad I don't have that anymore. Me too. Picture it from my perspective, right? You know, um, I graduated high school in 1982 um, in 1981, I became an EMT, and I was a volunteer firefighter. So, you know, when they say macho, macho man, mm-hmm. <laughs> duh, yeah. right? 
um, in New York, um, you know, in the New York area. Um, I mean, my my birth brother is is gay, and he was out. But in my profession, absolutely not. It wasn't. You didn't talk about it. And let's face it, even today, right? It's twenty twenty. But back in those days, if I met a guy, um, and said, "Well, I, you know, I I date women too," their answer was, "Well, you're just in denial." Right. That is. And unfortunately, that still happens today to people who don't get it. But, yeah, you know, it's just so, I mean, imagine my confusion and frustration, you know, all those all those years back. So, yeah, you know, what, I, what does a guy do? Well, and I always say it's, I describe myself as the gay guy because it's easier than saying bye, bye, because then it's right. questions and they don't understand it. And it's like, okay. And I always say the, the gay guy gets a bigger laugh than bye, guy. I tend to say that to straight people. I don't know. I'm just a a gay guy. Um, And I think I do that to make them laugh so they feel comfortable. Because now it's not, you know, there's there's no whispering. And I was like, well, with the red shoes, you would think, why would they be whispering? Well, and here, and and as the guy, right, you know, this is when the therapist hat comes on, right? You know, about self-identity and and so many other things. But, you know, I started looking at this to myself. And um, I was married. very much in love with the woman that I was married to. We were together for about 10 years. I still have a great deal of respect and love for her. Um, but when I got divorced, which was about five years ago, that the world was different, you know? And then so I tried to figure out, and, and I had much earlier in my life come to grips with, you know, with what my identity was, but I was married and devoted to my wife. And so that was fine. But now I'm divorced it's five years ago. It's an app dating world. Like, what What are all the things? Which it's, app did you like the best? Oh, damn. That's going to get me in trouble. Um, well, I met my husband on Scruff, so <laughs> I'm not going to judge anybody. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah. I would say I'm a fan of Scruff yeah. as, you know, as, as, uh, as a tool to meet people. Um, but I think, you know, it's, and I've made some amazing friends through both Scruff, Grindr, and, you know, and the like. One of my best friends I, I met on Grindr. Um, but I think... So I struggled with the definition, right? What's that definition? Um, and I met somebody actually through the radio show that I, I do. And um, we had this long conversation about the word queer. For me growing up, I was a nerd um, and I was a faggot, right? Even though I wasn't out, I was a geeky kid. I carried a camera bag around and you know, so you threw out those today, that's called bullying. Right? Mm-hmm. But back in the, those days, it was just, oh, it's boys being boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so queer for me wasn't a comfortable word when I heard people use it. I'm much more comfortable with it now. I'm just not a guy who believes in labels. But when people hold me to the label, the easiest one I come up with is pan. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. Did you watch Schitt's Creek? Oh, absolutely. How important is that character of David? Uh, he is, and I mentioned this, I think on an earlier podcast where in an article, they asked him why it wasn't a big deal, bigger deal with him coming out. Right. And he goes, because that's how it should be. It shouldn't be a big deal. Oh, absolutely. And I love the way they handled it on that show. Yeah, I agree. And I bet you, like me, identified with his boyfriend. I didn't know I felt like that. You know, uh, great, beautiful. Right, or, you know, or Brokeback Mountain yeah. or, or, right, any of those. What? I mean, you know, imagine. Uh, I, you know, it took a long time for me to realize that I could actually have feelings for a guy and not just to be a physical thing. There were times when I would um, 
enjoy myself with a gentleman <clears throat> when I was younger. And we never kissed because yeah. kissing would be kissing. gay. <laughs> right? Yep. Do you understand that? Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, I guess I should really answer yeah. the question that you asked me, right? You asked me who's the first person I, I came out to. Um, and so in my in my circle of friends, right? I, you know, I mean, obviously, every time you meet somebody on Scruff, you're kind of coming out. Um, but did you put your picture of your face on it? How long did it take you to do that? Uh, I kind of did it right away. I, I figured, you know, my, my philosophy was, if you're seeing my picture on this app, or you're not seeing my picture on this app, uh, you know, I, the, the, the expression I use is, is I Popeye. Yeah. I am what I am. I can't yeah. that, right? You know what I mean? So... So just just be who you are. And, you know, I mean, we were we were divorced. It, you know, I mean, I had the opportunity to kind of come to grips with with that. And I was fine with putting my face out there because if I'm going to meet the person and they go, yeah. wait, don't I don't we work together? Yeah. I mean, you're on the app for Pete's sake, right? Well, I'm saying because a lot of people I me, mean, maybe I've done this. You put your chest or something. So it's not your face right. in the beginning. So then you get to that. So well, I've been often yeah. told I have two really good features. One is my at, uh, <laughs> and then the, the other one is the face. <laughs> so I figured, you know, well, right, we got yeah, a, got a choice. Sure. Um, but no, I, you know, the first guy I came out with is a longtime friend. We and this is the irony. I, I, he probably doesn't even know that he was the first one, person I I came out to. But we're sitting at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Simi Valley, California. That is the ungayest thing I've ever heard in my life. Isn't it? Yes. Right? And so I got something to tell you. And I knew he, he, he was my litmus test because um, he's a physician. He works in an organization that, um, you know, probably 90% of his patient population is, is, is of the LGBT community. So I figured if there's anybody in my circle who's going to go, okay, you know, it would be him. And I had a plan to do it earlier in the day, but we ended up at the Buffalo Wild Wings, and I figured, screw it, you know, right? It's a public place. How bad could it be? How you know? So we're watching like six different football games, and hey, by the way, and you know, his answer was essentially, okay, you know. And then from there, you know, just how good did that feel to get that off your chest? Well, that had been on my chest for, you know, see what, so let's say that was two years ago. So, you know, rough math, 40 years. <laughs> so. And the ironic thing is there are people listening right now who goes, well, Jesus yeah. Christ, you were a psych, you're a psychiatric nurse. Did you, you probably heard people's stories and, and the issues that they had. How did you not look at yourself and go, I'm gay and, and be okay with it earlier? Well, it's, you know, it's easy. I mean, I've been an ER nurse. Yeah. I've been, I mean, so many different things, but. You know, it takes, right, it takes some introspection. Yeah. It takes, but it was, you know, it was so much easier for me to, you know, I mean, I mean, I would have never said it while I was married because it's not important. And I do have the personal philosophy of, right, I mean, this, doing a show like this, mm-hmm. only because I'm a huge fan. No, please right? stop. You know, um, doing a show like this is um, uh, very out of character for me. But I feel it's, you know, as somebody who advocates for the community, you know, I mean, duh, I co-host an LGBT radio show. Uh, Y'all, if you haven't figured out that I'm part of those initials, Mm -hmm. you know, you're dumber than the rock, right? (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I figure 
sexuality, this is the way I, I see it. You know, um, I do a lot of work with the transgender community and, you know, they have amazing, unique challenges and, you know, and I fully support everything that, that, that goes on. You actually interviewed a really good friend of mine and fellow co-host of the show, Bianca. Um, but it, <clears throat> sex is supposed to be a personal thing. The extension of that is sexual identity. I don't need to walk down the street and advertise who I am. I don't walk up to everybody and go, hi, I'm Ed Stern. I'm mm. a business professional. And by the way, I like guys' genitalia. Mm. You know, you don't do that. Um, so, the, but the world is changing, right? You know, you're, a lot of people wear their identities on, on their shirt, sometimes literally. In fact, I'm pretty much sure that that's what I'm wearing <laughs> right now is what is on the shirt. But these are things, I mean, the world has changed. The philosophy has changed in some parts of this country. Yeah. And I think that that's the key. And if and if people like you and I, your podcast, my radio show, if we can get the word out just a touch further and get things moving a little bit, you know, a little bit more in the direction in parts of the country that aren't as liberal. It's weird to say that Washington, D.C. is liberal considering, you know, our current political mm -hmm, state. But, mm -hmm. you know, if we can get those words out, that's, you know, that's it. That's part of my personal mission as a, you know, as a healthcare professional, um, I'm working on a podcast specifically for the medical community to better understand our community. Well, I mentioned before my husband's an orthopedic nurse mm -hmm. and is trying to do what he can at the hospital where he works to make sure that trans, uh, the trans community, when they come in, they're, and, and to people who don't, who aren't transgender or have somebody in their life who, who's transgender – they don't understand how important the pronouns are. And Absolutely. It's, and it's one of the most simple things. All you do is use the pronoun that the person wants. And what kills me is when people go, well, they were like, let's say someone's trans and they were born Larry and now they want to be called Lisa. Well, they're, you know, their parents named them Larry. I'm calling them Larry. And I'm like, well, my parents named me James, but you call me Jimmy. Why do you call me Jimmy? Why is it so difficult? Because you told me that's what you want to be called. Exactly. And thank you for doing that because I know, you know, think about it. You're sick. You need help. And you don't feel respected or safe in a hospital. It's a terrible feeling, you know, and, and it goes more, it goes deeper than that. You actually brought up something really interesting, right? So pronouns. I'm a cisgender male. He, him, kind of obvious, right? Um, as cisgender male, and I have, a, like I said, a great deal of respect for the, the trans community, I grew up as a New Yorker, especially, right? You know, if I addressed a room, it was use guys, <laughs> right? Or, you know, okay guys, mm -hmm. right? Um, you go, you know, if you're sitting in a room full of people of, of various gender identities and you go, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, right? you don't even recognize, you know, it took me a while for, for that to kick in. And I'm still, I'm still struggling with something as simple as that. Because guys right? seems like the royal we. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, being just something as simple as being aware of that. And I, and I'm playing with different things. Uh, you know, I'm not a Southern boy, mm -hmm. so I'm trying y'all mm -hmm. just because it seems kitschy. Uh, it's not working yeah, for yeah. me, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but it's, it, how do you do that? Yeah. And, you know, older English, especially for people in our community who use they, them pronouns makes people's 
you know, okay, I'm a nurse. Makes people have little mini strokes when yeah. they try to figure out the appropriate use of I, they, them, because they're stuck in an Oxford dictionary somewhere. I host many events, and it is difficult sometimes because you're so accustomed to saying he, she, him, yeah. her, to go they. You know, I was, and you fall over yourself, and I missed identified somebody at an event. And it's one of the things I feel most guilty about because I saw the look of horror in everybody's faces. And then I knew how I felt. And if I could go back to that moment, I wish I would have said, see how easy it is? But if you correct yourself, that's what should count. And because you never want anybody to feel not welcome, not safe. This past year, I had a kind of a cathartic experience. Maybe maybe you and I should go again together this year. I went to the Trans Wellness Conference mm. in, um, in Philadelphia. 13,000 people attend this conference, mostly from the trans and non-binary, uh, you know, or gender non-conforming community. Um, they attend the conference for free. As a healthcare professional, I paid because I wanted CEUs. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal conference. But talk about life flipped on a dime. I was there for three days. You and I are a lot alike in a variety of yeah. physical outward ways that we express. I'm an older guy, older white cis guy, walking. I was the minority. How often does that happen, especially for me in a, in a medical Yeah. Setting? It was very humbling. It was very educational for me. And it was very – I went there with, the, with two of my co-hosts who are trans. Um, we did a lot of interviews there with, um, with people on, you know, Persons on the street, mm-hmm. right? Can't, definitely not men on the street. Yeah. Can't use, you know. But wow, because every time I went, you got, mm, you folk, um, it, you know, it was very just eye-opening for me in so many different ways that, you know, um, it's, it's different. Even um, the story that my husband recently told me, um, he had some work done on his car. Now, my husband is six foot three ginger, but you see him and there's no question that he's gay. You just know he's gay. <laughs> and he said that's been his whole life. Okay. And he was six foot three his whole life. Yeah, well, yes, he was. And his mother <laughs> is still in pain. But when he calls on the phone, they think it's a woman. You know, there's. Yeah, the, okay. And so what the garage folks at the uh, car dealership, they didn't know that his grandfather owned a garage. And. Richie knows everything about cars and knows all these uh-huh. deep, you know, the uh, inside baseball of nuts and bolts of cars. Yeah. And he was saying that when he went in there, they spoke to him like he knew nothing. And then he would start asking the questions and they're looking around going, uh, how does he know that? And it's like, well, the grandfather. Right. And I said, does that happen a lot? He goes, all the time. I said, that never happens to me. He goes, because you pass. People would look at you and never assume. You know, huh? you come in, you know, you, you you know, he goes, I float in the room, and they're just like, oh, look at the queer, yeah. you know. And you don't understand that until you've seen it from the other side, as you mentioned. Yeah. I grew up in New York, and, you know, and I thought I I, I, or I thought I understood diversity. Yeah. Um, ironically, when I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, is where I met my, um, you know, met my girlfriend, became my wife. Um, believe it or not, we met on Match.com. Um so online, yeah, um, it works. But it does. Um, not not for us. Well, they don't they don't take us. Yeah, but um, uh, you know, she identifies as black, and you know, 
I was fine with it. It didn't matter to me. Um, but the looks we got sometimes. What What do you mean she identifies as black? Um, mom's white, dad's black. Okay, okay, and, okay. And she doesn't use the expression African American okay. because of what her lineage is. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't use that. Um, so, uh, but you did get looks when the two of you would oh be together, well, even especially in Arizona. Oh yeah, right. Um, but um, when we moved here, still like, on occasion, uh, just just fascinating. In fact. One of the favorite stories we used to tell is we were, I won't mention the hotel, but, you know, we were planning our wedding and we're sitting down with the catering director and her off-color commentary about different ethnic groups was unbelievable. Like we asked something about, um, you know, how fast can you turn the room around? And she's, oh, honey, it's like a Chinese fire drill, only we do it with Mexicans. Yeah. You know, oh, and oh, Washington D.C. Oh. folks. You know, but I mean, it's like, uh, huh? How could anybody think that that's okay to say? Yeah, I uh, mean, I not even think, but to say out right. loud in two thousand well, whatever it was, was. two thousand and seven. But, but still, still, yeah. But that's you know, I mean, I think that's the challenge that you know that so many people face, right? And you know, and I think to be political for a moment, right? That's what we are experiencing now. You know, the last administration, the bigots were still there. Right, they, they just they're just more empowered now. Yeah. Right. The the conversation is uh, as open as the LGBT conversation is. So is the anti-LGBT conversation. As open as the uh, conversation is about accepting people of color. You know. So is well, the flip side of that. The most amazing thing was when, and I don't know if this will be in here because I try to stay away from this. I don't want anybody. I don't bet you on either side. But. Um, what amazed me was when the Pentagon was the one going, hey, we don't mind the trans people. We're fine. Isn't that amazing? We've come a long way, baby. Oh, yeah. So let's go back, Ed, sure. to the moment you told your former wife mm -hmm. that you would now be dating men. Never told her. Does she know? So probably. Um, she knew before, while, while we were in a relationship, she knew I, quote, messed around with guys. I um, called it the same thing. Yeah, and or playtime. Yeah, that is another yeah. term I would use. Um, but I don't know how much she believes this. Um, but while I was married to her, and while the marriage was, you know, was what it was, is I mean, I was married to her, and that's you know, that's all that mattered. Um, we didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't have playtime yeah. while I was married to yeah. her. She was my playtime. Um, you know, and wasn't until you know, we were separated and everything else that I kind of just went back to, you know, what it was. And that's, I, I think that's the true definition of, of Pam. Right? Yeah. You know, I, I am more turned on by a person's brain than what body parts they have. Yeah. And it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Um, your life in the last, how many years has been two? No. How many? How Five long? years since I've been divorced. Yeah. Uh, how long have, since you've been out? Out to my friends? Yeah. A couple of years. Okay. Yeah. How has your life changed? I had an interesting conversation with somebody recently at the Eagle of all places. I have weird conversations with people. At I've the had Eagle. many interesting conversations um, at the Eagle. Uh, but I was talking to this young guy, um, and we were, you know, I live in Falls Church. He lives near me. And I was like, you know, we were talking, and... Um, it was late enough at night that he needed a ride home. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's on the way. Sure, no problem. Um, and so in the car, we were having this conversation. He's, um, turns out he's 18. 
Um, so you were there on Pup Night on uh, on Friday night, with the drag yeah, show yeah, night. Yeah, exactly. See? I know exactly. Right? Yeah, I, I had no idea. To be honest, I had absolutely no idea that there was an under twenty one. But you know, and that was like, okay, fine, you're eighteen. We're you know we're talking. But we had this amazing conversation on the drive home. The revelation was this is the funny part, or or weird part. He and I have been out the same amount of time. His cons- his entire concept of of the queer community versus my concept of the queer community. But he he looked at me. He goes, "Wow, we've been out the same time." And I kind of wished I had the inject you know the ejector seat button installed in the car because <laughs> um, yes. you know smart little eighteen year olds. Yeah. But wow, you know. But so, how has my life been? A weight's been off. Um, I'm dating because that's what people do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an interesting dating life that I have. I, I do date men and women, um, but now I actually call it dating mm-hmm. or using you know using the phrase appropriately or hooking up mm-hmm. with men or women because that's what everybody seems to do. I'm a weird. I'm I'm in a weird spot chronologically because I'm an, I'm a 55 year old guy. If I date people, men or women who are age appropriate. They're planning their end of their life, but I'm in school to become a psychiatric nurse practitioner, so um, I'm starting a whole new life. So I tend to relate better to guys in their 20s and 30s because they're starting, you know, they're kicking their career in, into motion. And the funny thing, there's something about younger guys, they like older guys. Yeah, and I'm not complaining about that. Right? <laughs> uh, listen, people are listening to that, right? Yeah, yeah I, um, I know. It's interesting because I, uh, when I was dating, you know, I use the joke that um, uh, Jerry Lawler, who is a professional wrestler. Now, this is the second week in a row that I've quoted a pro wrestler. <laughs> and he said, you're only as old as the person you feel. Huh? And I would go the Eagle. And there would be a lot of younger guys. And I'd be like, you should date someone your own age. And they're like, have you met guys my age? I'm like, okay, I get, yeah. I get what they meant. And I think if you appear younger, if you act younger, if you feel younger, then you are younger, if right. that makes sense. Well, and it goes back to what I said yeah. before. I Popeye, right? Yeah. I am what I am. Yeah. I don't I don't pretend I'm younger. I don't, but you know, I mean, I am excited about my my new career. I'm excited about this next journey. But you know, so are people in their twenties and thirties. And I already said I I'm attracted more to what's above yeah. the shoulders than than what's yeah. below the harness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. Um granted there's, you know, there's a bonus there, but yeah. you, you know, so that's why I love a place where I can go and you can have a conversation with somebody and not be judged for anything. And, I, and let's face it, when you're in a jockstrap and a harness, they're not they're not judging you. I just, <laughs> just gave something away to people who probably don't want to know that. But, you know, they're not judging you based on much. No. You know, right? It's not how you dress. It's not anything else. Maybe the quality of the leather. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know. Uh, neoprene, thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, I would always say that the community, the kink community, um, is some of the most unjudging people. Oh, the my most God, yeah. accepting and open to people when they come in. They're very welcoming. And I mean that in no salacious manner at all. Just very kind people. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed since um Well and again, how can you right, you know, how can you um how can you judge them? Yeah. Right? I had uh, a it's funny. DC is a very small town, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't realize that it is. And obviously, the LGBT community is even smaller. Um, things overlap, uh, you know, far too often. I'm, 
I'm terrified of the moment when one of my clients is in the Eagle with me, you know, because that's going to be an interesting conversation. But um, another one of your guests that, that you had, um, Justin, mm-hmm. um, I met Justin at the Eagle. Um, we had a phenomenal conversation the first time I met him. And this he's is a now brilliant a, young man. He is. And he's going to go, he's going to go a lot of different places. Um, and I met him in a time when he was not as happy as he is now. Justin is a young man who, if you go back to the second episode out with Jimmy, his um, yeah. family are missionaries. Um, he was homeschooled, and he works still to this day at Chick-fil-A, and that's where he came out uh, to his lesbian co-worker, which I believe that's the, uh, uh, that's capital, the person he came out to, yeah. capital pride uh, version of Chick-fil-A out there in Manassas. I want to say that owner is a very good person. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I see in my issue, uh, Doc, um, is— Tell me how you feel. Well, <laughs> Justin is one of the examples because I consider Justin a pal. Um, and there's a lot of those guys in that in this group that I want to take care of and make sure they're okay. And I had a teacher when I was in high school say that that's how I was then. All my mm-hmm. friends, you know, men and women, would come and I would take care of them. And he goes, you, you're the, you water plants. I'm like, what yeah. do you mean? He goes, you water them. It's a great analogy. And they water you I'm by steal doing that. that. Okay. Please do. Please do. <laughs> and it's true. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to call my home the Ramada Gym, not the Ramada Inn, the Ramada Gym. <laughs> and um, the home for wayward boys. And my husband now uh, put an end to that. It, uh, <laughs> no. Um, but there, I do that legally as a foster parent. I, say, I <laughs> How dare you say le- what? It was not, nothing illegal was going on. Fair enough. Uh, um, but there is, and I hear these stories. And do you know anything about comic books? Oh yeah. Okay, there's a character who I grew up in the seventies. Okay. We didn't have iPhones. Okay. Well, there's a character in X Men called Rogue. Yeah. And Rogue's power is if she puts her hand on you, she gets your powers, your memories, your loves, mm-hmm. your hates, um, your pain. And that's how I feel when somebody tells me something in their life, good or bad, it's like I feel it. It hurts or I'm elated for them. And I've always been like that, that I I am as empathetic as an individual could possibly be. That's why you're this good at the show. Well, I don't know about that, but um, it it, it does cause issues sometimes (laughs) uh, because people will take advantage of you. But, um, But when I heard Justin's story, and I think if you go to um, Out With Jimmy on Facebook, you can see that whole episode. And yeah, he did a great job with his interview. So in that episode, you'll see, um, if you watch my face, as he, he told me around 14 or 15, he was um, considering suicide. Mm. That if he killed himself before he acted on his gay desires, he would still be in God's good graces and go to heaven. And that was, yeah. it, it pained me so much that I just wanted to hug him then and go, no, 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 no. And I left that in there because I want parents who think that, you know, that their kids aren't really considering um, life or considering what being, um, living their life as gay or trans or lesbian or pan or whatever's under the umbrella of LGBTQ, that people do take it serious and their kids do take it serious. And that just broke my heart. So there's data out there that, that fully supports that if we, you know, if we as a community in the LGBT world and those outside the LGBT world fully support youth in whatever their identity is, um, that their suicide risks dramatically drop. Um, a shocking 
data point that I, I read recently is two out of three LGBT youth that were surveyed in this large national survey have been asked or told that they need to change their identity back to the societal norm. And of course, I mean, you know, imagine that. Um, I mentioned earlier in the show, I said, you know, as a kid I had, uh, you know, I was sexually abused again. 70s, so a very different world, but not really. Um, first time I was sexually abused, I was in summer camp. Camp counselor, you know, I was a little homesick. Camp counselor decided to comfort me. We'll leave the details out, but, it didn't, you know, it's right, was a little more of an intimate comforting. The next year I went back, I knew it was wrong. I knew something wasn't right. I had absolute, I was terrified at that, at that summer camp. Instead of somebody asking what was wrong, um, the camp said to my parents, um, let's get him some medication so he can sleep. So I was drugged and sexually oh. abused. That wasn't my parents' intent. I, I, don't, I don't hold them accountable for that, but, you know, duh. Um, junior high, middle school for us. Stereotype, chorus teacher, private drives home, mm. you know. Um, and in that case, everybody looked and accused me of doing something wrong. What did you do? Mm -hmm. And then that teacher just sort of disappeared, right, you know, went somewhere else. Very classic of the, of the era, right? Um, and I felt the blame and I felt the shame and that's where, you know, and, and, and so that's also why I associate with, you know, with Justin and his story. Um, and the truth is, right, you've interviewed Justin. I, I could, if I wasn't violating patient privacy, I could show you an entire list of people that I talk to who have similar problems, right? And again, I think that that's, you know, um, it's the value of shows like yours, right? Getting the story out, showing how normal this is and how, you know, Everybody has hardships. doesn't matter what your sexual identity is. doesn't matter what your gender identity is. We all have hardships. And as a community in the LGBT community and those, of, those who are allies, we should be the first people to embrace the, you know, others in the community and, and support them. And if we can help push that a little bit further beyond the beltway and push it even further into other parts of this country, you know, that's a powerful thing for, you know, for shows like yours. Well, and what you do uh, with your show and, um, you know, just I know that there are times that um, I go and edit and listen to the show. And it's painful to me to listen back, not at me, which most people don't like hearing themselves, but I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm used to it. Um, but hearing their stories and it's like, it's their most vulnerable and most, and they're, and especially that episode with Justin mm. was particularly moving a powerful story. to me because especially when he said his chosen family, mm -hmm. talked about his chosen family and it's his friends. One of the things if I can, just like, so you mentioned chosen family. I think all of us have those. It doesn't matter again what yes. your identity is. You know, I was very lucky in a, in a, in a dark time in my life when I was around the age of 18 um, I had a series of really bad things happen, family deaths. My father died, grandmother, mm. both grandmothers. It was a bad year. Um, and I had a mental break. Um, and um, and you're 18 at this time? Yeah, yeah. And uh, got, got some criminal charges and, and everything. And it was so, um, 
my family connections were never really strong, um, but they were they were done. They were over, and um, I was for the most part homeless. And uh, a good friend of mine, um, or not even really a good friend, an acquaintance slash friend of mine, uh, would not accept that, and he brought me home. Mm. You know, he's like, Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Ed. Um, that family is very much a part of my family right now. I refer to them as mom and dad. Oh, that's great. You know, um, three brothers that I never had before, um, you know, a godson, nieces, nephews, you know, all as a result of that. And, um, you know, just just because there was one person, you know, we talk about that, that, that data point about, you know, about suicide. I might have ended up there if it weren't for Matt, taking me up and, and, you know, and bringing me home. I was at my, you know, I hit my bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, different expression in yeah, the I was LGBT saying, yeah. community, right? I saw but, that at the Eagle once, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it should be a, maybe that should be a show name. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think, right, you know, I was at rock bottom. I wasn't sure where my next meal was coming from, you know, so many different things. I was still working-ish. I'd kind of gotten fired from some stuff because of what happened. But they were there for me. Other parts of my birth family, is, you know, were there for me as well. But, but that that inner circle was gone and destroyed. And um, if it weren't for the kindness of strangers, um, and uh, you know, that kept me safe. And that made me, you know, I mean, dealt with the charges, fixed that. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm well, well past that. But, but the point is, is that, you know. If it weren't for what they did for me, they taught me what what family was. They taught me so much. My first meal, I sat down with um, my new family. Uh, Al, the dad, said, "You'll never go hungry in this house if you're. Um, the only reason why you'll go hungry in this house is if your arms aren't long enough to reach the food. You know, beautiful things like that. That's what our community needs more of. Yes. Um." As you say that about families and chosen families, what I've noticed, and it breaks my heart um, when I see another kid die, and I kid, 20s, 30s. Um, when you get older, the, 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 the definition of kid grows and grows and grows. <laughs> you bet. Over party drugs. Yeah. And recently there was someone who I knew, and it was the first person in a long time that I've known, and it was from a drug overdose. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm just not a drug person. I'm not judging anybody who has done them or does them. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, and I treat them. A, so and I – not that's not my bag, baby. Um, bourbon, now we're talking. But um, Do you have a favorite bourbon? Maker's Mark is my uh, favorite. okay. Yeah. You? Yeah, I'm up there with Maker's yeah. Mark. I like some of the um, Jefferson's. D- very nice, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. It's fun to experiment, right? You know, when you get – when when – when you're not in touch with your own mortality, it's pretty fun to experiment. And that's the challenge, you know. Um, it's also easy to take some time and forget, right? You have a bad, you have a bad day here. You have a bad day at, you know, at somewhere else you, you know, you do, right? Whatever it is that you do to decompress is, you know, for some of these kids, you know, um, it, the way they're decompressing is, you know, popping some sort of, you know, cool colored pill and, and giving it a try. Um, child of the 70s, 
oh, you better believe yeah. I've tried it all. Um, I'm just too much of a control freak to want to lose that level of control. I don't even drink that much because I'm just that much of a control yeah, freak. Yeah, I... But others, absolutely. And I see it, and I'm like, oh, my God, please, please. And then if something, God forbid, happens, I'll blame myself that I didn't get involved more. Like, is there, I think that may be a touch of narcissism there that I think I could do something, but... No, it's a good heart. Uh, well, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. There you go. Ed, thank you so much for being on uh, this week. You were it's been great. A pleasure. I will have you on again. Uh, we will have another episode, uh, and we'll have to have you back. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for listening to Out with Jimmy. Again, go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Thank you to Julia Ziegler and WTOP for allowing us to record in your beautiful studios. And remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell somebody you love them. So go ahead and do it. <laughs>